8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Garda. So what we're going to do every night nowadays, we're, gonna, we're creating this new feature called Innovation or, or The Innovators. Why? When we spoke to Kosatu about how, or rather, uh, from a Kosatu point of view in terms of where they are, you know they've fallen off certainly where, compared to where they were. When we spoke to Saftu and Patrick Craven, they need to be innovative around the, the movement of unions and, and their clout that they have. Okay? When we speak to Geraldine James about El Dorado Park, it would need some innovation or innovative thought in terms of how they strategize to get what they want as a community. Therefore, innovation is one of the most important things a people and a country can and should learn. And we're going to emphasize it all every night, hopefully, on the show. So for about the next 10 minutes or so, we've got Douglas Kruger, uh, who's going to talk to us about just that, why innovation is so important. Douglas, as you may know, and I've chatted with him often before, he's a professional speaker and an author, and he's written some great books. Uh, uh, Douglas, good chatting to you. First of all, what's the name of that lady? latest book of yours. Tell me about that. Uh, lovely to be chatting with you, Ashraf. Yes, the, uh, the latest one to come out is titled What Makes Them Great? 50 Ways to Become an Industry Leader. Uh, but that one actually doesn't focus on innovation. The, the one prior to it does, and that was uh, They're Your Rules, Break Them. Okay, well, there you are. So both, but, but I need to get the latest book. Absolutely, and we do need to have coffee soon. Let's get then to, so I'm asking that question uh, about why innovation is important. I think it's a given. Perhaps the, the part I want to focus on is how do we train our mind to, to think innovation when, when faced with problems? And I've just given you the El Dorado Park problem and the unions problem, and Absolutely. we can talk about 50 other problems in the world. Ultimately, it's innovation that changes things, isn't it? And I think it's fantastic that you're doing it as a nightly feature, Ashraf. I mean, it's not only an interesting topic, it's, it's what we do as a species when we're doing what we do best. Um, and you're, you're quite right. It's all about thinking of different ways of looking at your scenario and finding solutions to, to old problems. Now, when we previously chatted, we put a lot of emphasis on disruptive innovation. Um, and tonight I'm very keen to talk about something a little simpler than that, which is incremental innovation and some practical techniques for how we can go about that. Okay, well, go ahead, and I'm going to make notes as always, and I'm encouraging the listener, uh, you listening in, you need to make notes too. So go ahead and Fantastic. tell us. Fantastic. Great. So um, just an, an example of the contrast here. We spoke about um, disruptive innovation, which is a very sexy topic. You hear it all the time in the corporate world. It's the big buzzword. It really comes down to fundamental changes to the way things are done. And um, you and I chatted about a thing called the Starship Enterprise Thought Exercise, mm-hmm. which basically goes like this. As, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you imagine yourself on this futuristic Starship Enterprise, and you ask, what would ideal usage look like? For example, if your customer could just snap their finger and say, computer, and it appeared in front of them, how might that go? And then you reverse engineer from that to different ways of starting. And of course, what's radical about that is you might not end up beginning with the product that you currently make. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the heart and soul of disruptive innovation. But now tonight, I'd like to talk about the, the softer version, which is changing small things over time, taking the thing you do, the idea you have, the momentum that you've, you've already earned over the years, um, and finding small ways just to make it a little better. And actually, my, my argument is that tends to be the real story of innovation. You know, as as mm-hmm. authors and speakers, we, we tend to take great delight in speaking about this big, bold, disruptive, radical innovation. But if we're being honest, Ashraf, incremental is, is the proverbial bread and butter. It's how innovation actually works in the real world. So our question becomes, how do you do it? So incremental innovation, how do we do it? Okay, you tell us how. Great. So what we're going to do is we're going to start by looking at the product or the service that you offer as a business, as an entrepreneur, as a brand. 
Now, most people would start by looking at their offering and try to spot opportunities for what we call feature refinement. And that's fine, but it's very limited. Now, why is it limited? Well, the problem is you are already looking at your existing product, your existing service. And that frames the parameters of your thinking. Um, To go back to your El Dorado Park analogy, it's almost like like looking at the situation as it is today and trying to find little ways to improve rather than zooming back and thinking with completely different mental frameworks. So what I'd like to provide tonight is three very simple, very practical, um, easy-to-use frameworks by which to look at your product, your service, or your problem in order to make small but consistent improvements. Okay. And the first one is the one that is probably the most obvious. We, we start with this one not because it's in any way impressive, but because it's the one that most businesses tend to do. You begin with the metrics. Mm. What can you measure? Can you measure speed? Can you measure size? Um, and again, going back to your previous discussion, can you measure, say, the rate of delivery of the numbers that are actually measurable? And once you have numbers, once you can put numbers to anything, you can incrementally improve it. So you simply try to find the metrics to your product, your service, your problem, and you measure it against your competition. Um, And then you can improve your metrics bit by bit. So that's what we might call a button-up soup idea. Mm -hmm. It's simple, it's obvious, it's effective, it works, but it's hardly the stuff of magic. Now, here's where we can go a little bit further, and this is where it starts to get more interesting. Our second framework for looking at incremental innovation is to start with the idea of identity. Start with the human being. Who does your uh, target market, your client, the owner of your problem, the group that you're trying to reach, who do they want to be? Now, to explore Mm. this one just in a a very simple way, let's take a real-world product and a a new innovation that hit the market fairly, fairly recently. Um, as you know, Ashraf, I'm, I'm a complete car nut. I'm, I'm always watching mm, YouTube mm, videos about mm. new cars and so on. Um, and this week, we got the launch of the new BMW 3 Series. So that makes a, a great case in point for us. And the 3 Series is often described as this kind of um, very well-balanced, very well-rounded sports sedan. And it pretty much philosophically, in terms of, of uh, sports and luxury sedans, it tends to come out top of the pops for that particular target market um, year after year. Now, here's something interesting they've added this year, and we'll start with the innovation itself and then work back to the thinking. When you approach your new 3 Series and you open the door, it will now put a a carpet of light leading up to the car. And uh, (laughs) as as unnecessary as that is, that's incredibly cool. So you press your button and your your BMW lights up and it it creates this little carpet of light um, that you walk up and it's sort of a VIP treatment idea. And when you think about that and bisecting goods, it is not fulfilling a need. It is not improving a metric. It's doing something else. It's asking, what is the desired identity by the people who buy these cars? And what they've then done is they've said, all right, this is a person who wants to feel prestigious, important, someone who wants to feel uh, cosseted and feel a sense of luxury and so forth. And then they've come up with the, the incremental innovation to accompany that. And I think that's incredibly clever. So the practical way then of doing that is instead of picking up the thing you produce or looking at the, the service that you offer and saying, how do we make it better around the edges? You start with the identity of the buyer and you say, who does this person want to be? In a best case scenario, how do they see themselves and how can we do things? How can we add a little theater that helps them to get there? Mm, interesting indeed. So, 
I mean, pe- people listening, and, and we've got about a minute to go, Douglas, unfortunately, cool. right? How do they kickstart? Because, I mean, would you agree when, you, when you're innovative or, or you have innovation in your mind, then, then you think solutions all the time, right? But, but for many people listening in, they don't have that. So how do I they kickstart that process? The problem is to try and think solutions all the time. I think the... Um, I genuinely believe, and this is really the sort of the fast version of the entire philosophy, the best innovators are the ones who ask different questions. The best innovators ask different questions. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And they think solutions all the time. Yeah. May I leave you with the, just the third question to yeah. ask out of our three frameworks? And I'll do Thank this as quick as I can. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Ask yourself if the accepted tone has to be the case. Case in point, um, for, for half a century, ice cream stores used to be designed for children. Very recently, somebody said, well, why don't we design high-end ice cream stores for adults? And they completely changed the tone. So if you're asking the right question, you're seeing different opportunities. If, for example, you're selling to men, why is that? Could you sell to women or vice versa? If your tone is business, could it be street ghetto and graffiti or vice versa? Ask a different question, you'll see your world differently. And, and too often we just accept the way things are done. That's the norm. They will always remain the norm, right? Yeah. Momentum is very difficult to see because it, is, it becomes invisible to us. It's the way things have always been done. The questions themselves are the way of jiving at the fabric of reality and finding different ways, different threads that we can pick at. And then sometimes it all comes apart. And that's okay. where it gets interesting. Douglas, we're going to leave it at that. Your time is up, but uh, there's, a, there's a solution to that. You can tweet all those type of things and also Facebook us uh, and you can tag me. And there we are. We can share that to a broader audience too. Douglas Kruger, as always, uh, talking about important issues today. It's about innovation. Okay, let's get to our late night drama. It's called Josie Dark.